Hello, um, this is episode number three. Oh, we've already hit the big three uh, of the foodie flashback. Food and memories, where we talk about food and the memories attached to that. Um, my guest today is someone I'm very familiar with again. Um, it's Jeff Gamets. Reese, you have no idea how excited I am to be recording with you today. I'm not just saying that. I really am. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited too. Like, I mean, I, I basically put together like my, my top three favorite podcasters and, and I was like, okay, let's do Doc, let's do Jeff and let's do you. And, and I, I all hit them within a week. It's, it's amazing. Well, that that's actually now the pressure's on um but but i also feel like i'm in a very elite group so wow yeah, no absolutely no i really enjoy it. like i mean we we podcast together on both the big show and the mech show every week mm -hmm. so i mean i it, it feels like we we never get to talk though like i mean we it's always a bigger group we always talk about tech and about news and all of that and like i mean you're usually working which also like you have to rush off to another meeting so mm -hmm. I think this is a good chance to like talk about about our food and and like food memories and everything. Yeah, I yes, I agree. And I was thinking about the last time we saw each other in person and I realized it was several years ago at Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was I was bummed. Well, okay. I was very excited to get to spend time with you. But I was also disappointed because wh where we were able to connect, it was at one of the parties, mm -hmm. and I kept getting pulled in all these different directions. And so, the, so the quality time I was really hoping to have with you, it's it, it didn't happen the way I I was hoping for. But at the same time, I was still so happy that that we got to spend some some in-person time together. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed that too. I think that was that was kind of random if I remember that correctly. It was like I was walking down the street and you were, I think, at AltConf and we just ran into each other. Like you and Chuck were yes. standing outside and we were like, oh hey. <laughs> I didn't I had yeah, and we talked in. for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, I can't remember if we had coordinated to go to one of the parties together or if we just happened to connect there. But when we did, I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> we get to hang out more. And it was, you know, it was it was a conference party. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was I the mean, usual. It's, it's, it's always super busy there. It's simply, I mean, there's so many, so many people and so many people also, you know, I mean, there's then, I mean, you were there, Czech was there, Kelly, like all the people I know, like we're all coming together at, this, at those parties. And we're like, okay, like you just get, as you said, you get pulled in, into different directions. Um, anyhow, like yep. I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about like your your background in food. Like, are you do you do you consider yourself a foodie? When I use the term loosely, yes. And uh, and when I say I using the term loosely, and it might simply be because of where I live, the, the term foodie often ends up including this kind of. Um, arrogance to go along with it mm -hmm. and uh and while i appreciate good food i love a wide variety of foods and i love getting to experience uh different foods and like different food environments and venues mm -hmm. i i don't 
have this thing that goes along with it where it's like, oh, well, this food isn't high enough on the, on the scale to really be foodie food. <laughs> so, so in that sense, no, I'm not a foodie, but in the rest of it, oh, totally. I, I love getting to experience new things and, and, uh, and I love the, the, small handful of restaurants mm-hmm. that make just that one thing that I love and, and then treating myself and, and going out for those things. And, uh, and I have America's test kitchen cookbook, like the first 17 years mm-hmm. of episodes, which has all the recipes that's in my kitchen. Nice. And, uh, and it, it's, it's not a cooking Bible for me. It's a, it's a, collection of cooking guidelines because they've come up with amazing recipes, but I have a dairy allergy. Mm -hmm. So I look at what, what they've come up with. And then I think, okay, here's how I can do this and not have it kill me. And uh, so, yes, I enjoy experimenting with food all the time. Yeah. It it sounds like, I mean, your approach to, to recipes, it's also like similar to mine. Like you, you simply, you take, you take a recipe as a guideline and then you, make it your own like however you want to do it however you want to change it you do like you just say okay this is this is roughly the idea of what i want what i want to do and then you change mm-hmm. it to your liking yes exactly and yes yeah i mean the, uh, said there's like i mean it's a very very interesting approach because i've i've met like two i want to say two groups of people there are the people that take a recipe and then follow it to the letter like no deviation if it says stir it 10 times they stir it exactly 10 times and it mm-hmm. sounds like we're more like the as that the experimental area where it's like okay let's see let's see what we can do yes and yes um i, I pay attention to the ingredients that, that go into recipe mm-hmm. so okay for example um the the betty crocker cookbook i i have all of the big name cookbooks because you kind of have to. Um, the The peanut butter cookie recipe in the Betty Crocker cookbook is great, except that it's like eating candy. Mm-hmm. So, so what I did was I cut back on uh, on the granular sugar mm-hmm. by like half, mm-hmm. and uh, and then replaced part of what I took away from the granular sugar with extra brown sugar. Mm-hmm. So my, my cookies don't have as yeah, less sweet. Yeah, so it has less sugar yeah. overall, but but a higher ratio of brown sugar. Mm-hmm. And then I can't do butter because dairy. Mm-hmm. So I just use um uh shortening, vegetable shortening mm-hmm. for all of the fat. Mm-hmm. And uh and then sometimes I'll throw in uh, like like 70 or 80 percent dark chocolate yeah that's amazing or cacao uh, dark chocolate chips Mm -hmm. and and uh and and then that's my my cookie Mm -hmm. that sounds amazing (laughs) now i have to try it is (laughs) you totally have to do that that. no that sounds amazing so where does that does that like love for for i mean also baking apparently like for cooking and for baking where does that come from like is that something you picked up as a as a kid or is that like a later thing? I I think it started as a kid. Mm-hmm. And the, okay, this will sound horrible. It started as a kid because when when I when I was growing up, so what, you know, we'll say those 
elementary and middle school mm-hmm. years, um, the 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 things that we were eating at uh, at home, mm-hmm. it was pretty standard and uh, and nothing very exciting. Both my parents were working full time, and um, and so the things that my mom would prepare, it had to be fast, it had to be easy, and uh, and it also turned out that it, that meant it had to be bland. <laughs> so, and, so was that more like the TV dinner kind of food, or did she cook, but like... Yeah, it had was, to be fun. There was definitely TV dinner things happening, mm-hmm. but a lot of it was was mom cooking. And it would be things where where you'd think this would, would have tons of flavor, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Mm-hmm. And it, it would be like, let, let's make a pork roast with vegetables. Yeah, sounds amazing. I, it <laughs> does. And uh, and at the same time, it 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 had nutritional value without bringing delight to your mouth. <laughs> and so when, uh, when, when I was old enough to really start experimenting some myself, mm-hmm. then, then I just started making some things mm-hmm. and sometimes it, it would be good. And sometimes it not. And sometimes it was making macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. from a box and then getting sick because it has <laughs> dairy in it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and learning okay now i understand why i can't do that mm-hmm. um yeah what other kinds of, of food did you make like as a, uh, i mean that's that's like pretty like pretty impressive that like uh, like as you said like elementary school middle school that you already started cooking and and, and like experimenting well um actually one one of the things that really triggered it for me now that we're talking about <laughs> about this and memories are coming back in elementary school, there was some kids magazine mm-hmm. that that I got through the school, mm-hmm. and it had a recipe in it for chocolate cake from scratch. You know, like mm-hmm. like uh, here's how much cocoa powder you need to use mm-hmm. f- for it to be chocolate cake. And I read through this thing, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. What and, fascinated you about that? Well, it it's because it wasn't a box, I think. Mm-hmm. It's because for me, to that point, so much of the food that you would eat mm-hmm. was something that started in a cardboard box. Mm-hmm. And then you'd add to it, and then it would miraculously turn into this other thing. Mm-hmm. But to to look at it, at the component elements, mm-hmm. like eggs, flour, cocoa powder, uh, you know, things like that. It was this very different thing and very novel for me. And so the the whole idea of taking all of these elements and putting them together Mm -hmm. and crafting this, this finished product, which was ultimately a chocolate cake with homemade chocolate frosting, um, was absolutely fascinating to me mm-hmm. and to to be able to 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 watch the process as i was doing each thing and to see what was happening as uh, as the the whole preparation mm-hmm. progressed was so interesting and then i put the cakes into the oven and uh, and it smells like cake <laughs> which was amazing mm-hmm. and when everything came out i I had this beautiful cake. Mm-hmm. 
that you made and all by yourself. All by myself as a, as an elementary school kid. Wow. And it was just this amazing thing mm-hmm. for me. It, it sounds also a little bit like almost a scientific approach to it. Like, I mean, as you said, like getting back, like putting all the ingredients together and like seeing the process, like how, how things change and evolve. Right. Yes. Yes. I, to me, there's this very, I'll call it an emotional scientific element mm-hmm. to, to cooking and, and baking mm-hmm. where, where, now that that I have years of experience um, making good things and bad things, the, you have to you have to make some bad stuff to learn how to make the good stuff better. Um, just the whole thing of of looking at different ingredients mm-hmm. and in my mind being able to process what happens with these ingredients when they go together mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, and even down to, uh, um, uh, I, I make a bison chili mm-hmm. that I, I do in my slow cooker. Yes, I can do it in a pot on the stove, but if I do it in the slow cooker, I've got the amazing smell all day long. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it tastes like five times better if it's slow cooked, right? Yes, and so with with uh, like a bison chili, a standard. Uh, broth or liquid add-in that you do is uh, is a beef broth mm-hmm. which to me makes no sense mm-hmm. at all because what you're doing is is adding in to all these other flavors something that's very heavy mm-hmm. and uh, and can have a more overpowering flavor in what you're yep. in what you're making exactly so so if you're going to use a broth I feel like you should use a chicken broth or or a vegetable stock because it will be lighter yeah. and uh, and it'll let the other flavors of the of the chili come through. Yeah, exactly. But I use beer. That, wow, okay. <laughs> that is and cool. and that was a game changer mm-hmm. because because it adds a richness without overpowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now I wouldn't do a full-on stout mm-hmm. because that I think probably would end up getting too heavy with the flavor. But um, like a red ale, mm-hmm. um, I, I I keep telling myself I I want to do this with an imperial IPA. Mm-hmm. And every time I go to do that, I just drink the imperial IPA and put something else in. <laughs> You're following the old rule, like two, two, like two glasses of whatever whatever alcohol you have into the cook, and one into the pot. <laughs> exactly, because you need to make sure that you're using quality ingredients. Yeah. yeah. So, anyhow, yes, the scientific thing. That's that's what led me to to experimenting with things like like putting uh, beer in for for the liquid instead of uh, a vegetable stock or some other broth. And, uh, and, and experimenting with things like, like when you saute vegetables with some wine, mm-hmm. have yeah. you ever tried doing that with a whiskey instead? I have, n- well, not with a whiskey. I've tried it with, with, uh, like other, like there's a, I'm, tr- I'm blanking on the name now. It's a, it's like a, it's a French, French alcohol. Uh, I think base apple based, I want to say, uh, I'm just blanking on the name now and I've cooked with that and that was amazing. Like there's actually a, like a. Very traditional French uh, dish, uh, which is veal 
and then it's basically flambeed and like with whatever the alcohol is. I, I, I said I'm blanking on the name right now. That's that is amazing. I'm going to do some research. All right. So like, uh, um, if you don't have a, a a grill available to you so that you can actually grill meat, pork chops in a skillet mm-hmm. with uh, with fresh mushrooms mm-hmm. and some and some whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Oh. <laughs> now I'm hungry. I want to do that. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, alcohol is also something very, like, that's something you have to experiment with. Like, very few recipes have it, like, by default. Um, but mm-hmm. once you get into it and, like, you, you, I mean, that's something, like, like professional chefs do actually quite a lot. Like, they, they'll they'll finish off, like, a sauce with a little bit of alcohol and just flambe it or whatever, or, like, a dessert oftentimes. And I think that's that's something that a lot of people don't even think about. I mean, minus the wine, maybe no. that you can put in like a sauce. Most people don't even like think about like okay, like adding beer, as you said, like to a like to a chili. It's it's a game changer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, I remember it, it was in my head and gone, and now it's back. Have you ever experienced someone cooking with wine where they use like some really crappy wine? Well, yeah, my dad and, used to do that. And okay, so so I'm not the only person that's experienced that. And I and I've asked people, "Why are you doing that?" Mm-hmm. And their answer is, "Well, the alcohol is going to cook off anyhow." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is you're trying to enhance the flavor with something good. If you won't drink it yourself, why would you put it in the food?" Exactly. Like I mean, and, and I've had a couple people look at me like like they just had an epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've had other people look at me like, I don't even understand the words coming out of your mouth. I put the cheap crap in the food. Yeah. That's how it works. Exactly. <laughs> so no, disappointing. I mean, it, it totally is. I mean, that's, that's one of the things. I mean, why would you do that? Like, I mean, all you get, like when the alcohol is gone, all you have left then is crappy taste. Like, I mean, why would you do that? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I definitely hear a lot of experimenting going on also like in your childhood. Were there any, like, did you did you cook with other family members or was it all you? Like, were you alone in the kitchen? Would you send out your, your family and say, like, let me do this? How did it that, was me. It was just you? It, it was just me. Mm-hmm. And, it, it you know, it wasn't like the rest of my family had no interest mm-hmm. in uh, in cooking or what I was doing. It was just, they could tell that I was really into what I was doing. So give me the space to do my thing, mm-hmm. which was great. And yeah. And I, and I would experiment all the time. Just, I would, what I would do back then was follow the recipe strictly mm-hmm. because I didn't understand enough to, to, to experiment. So, yeah. So I, I remember finding a recipe in a magazine once and it was, I don't know what it was. It was some, some, uh, I'll do air quotes, Chinese dish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It was probably something like, 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 uh, a chicken with rice thing with soy sauce. And now it's called a, a, a Chinese dish or something. Because it has soy sauce, it's Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, but, but I remember making this thing, it had vegetables and stuff and, and and I'm sorry I'm vague, but I really can't remember it that well. Mm-hmm. 
but I remember this is something I would do. I would, I would go through magazines and books and find things that looked different mm-hmm. and interesting. And then I would want to make them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I really believe a lot of that came from the fact that my parents were just so busy that coming up with interesting meals on a regular basis, I mean, that just, that wasn't going to happen. So I started exploring and, and found things like that. I mean, what do you think, or where do you think that that interest in cooking came from? I mean, you said like the experimenting, all of that was fun. Like it was, it was a thing that you had to do, kind of. Was there any like role model or anything like that you, someone you saw, like I said, either family member or someone else, where you're like, hey, this sounds like something I want to do? Probably the closest I would have to to a role model to inspire me into cooking and and I am stretching this a little bit would would be my grandma. So my dad's mom. Mm -hmm. And that, that comes from when, when my, uh, my sister and I, and uh, uh, yeah, so this would be before my little brother was born. So when my sister and I would go back to Iowa for a couple weeks in the summer to spend time with my my grandma and grandpa on their farm like a literal farm um um we would go out to the to the big garden that was right next to the house Mm -hmm. and help grandma pick beans and peas and carrots or, or or whatever grandpa he would bring the corn because because a big chunk of the land was corn mm-hmm. so so grandma didn't have to grow any corn in her in her own little garden because mm-hmm. you know grandpa he'd go out and pick out the right corn for us and uh, and then we would help grandma prepare the the meals mm-hmm. and uh, um and she would explain what she was doing mm-hmm. which was great because it wasn't just Okay, give me this. I need you to stir this. Mm-hmm. She she would actually tell us, uh, I, I need you to get the salt. I need the 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 baking powder. I, I go grab the celery. Okay, chop it like this because this is what we're doing with it. Mm-hmm. So she was so she was explaining to us mm-hmm. the 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 what, the how, and the why. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was great. Yeah, it also sounds a little bit, I mean, how are you explaining it? It's, I mean, maybe it's just how you picked it up, but it sounds a little bit also very scientific. Like, again, like, like not just saying, okay, throw, like, throw the salt in there. It's saying, okay, no, this is what the salt does. Like, very yes. methodical approach. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that that uh, my my grandma's example led to the way that I I do cook now where where I play fast and loose with the recipes Mm -hmm. and will oftentimes go to the grocery store, not knowing what I'm going to be preparing for dinner. And I just look through the produce and find things that, that look good to me today. Mm -hmm. Maybe go over to the, to the, to the meat counter and pick out something that looks good to me today. Mm -hmm. And when I get home, I have all these ingredients Mm -hmm. and now I have a puzzle and I figure out how that goes together into my dinner. Yeah, I do that too. Actually, that's, that's something, that's something I picked up from, from, I think my uncle, like, I mean, we have, we have a dish that we literally, I mean, 
when you talked about like Chinese in air quotes, I was thinking about that dish because it it's not probably not really Chinese. It might be Chinese like adjacent, um, but it's literally or inspired. Inspired, yeah. yeah. It's like we literally buy whatever vegetables and whatever meats we we just like and we just see and then we then we come back home and then we we get together and we're like okay what are we gonna do and we do like two two or three dishes sometimes and we just chop everything and cook it mm -hmm. and it ends up somehow great like we, we still don't yes. know to this day i mean if, i've been doing this with my uncle for like 20 30 years i still don't know how we do it <laughs> but it's exactly yeah. that like i mean you just you just go out and get inspired by by what's out there what's fresh what's what does look good Like, what are right. you up for? Like, what are you, I mean, uh, I, I talked to you in, in, in last episode about that. It's a little bit, it's also mood. Like you, you look at it and like, okay, what am I feeling today? Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, it can even be down to color. Mm -hmm. Like, like wa walking past, say, where the bell peppers are. Mm -hmm. Am I in a green mood? I'm in a red mood. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I'm in an orange mood today. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's totally different yeah. on a different day. Like it, you walk past it and like, oh, okay, today I'm green, and you yes, that. Like, or or to, or today I'm not in the mood for bell peppers at all. Like it happens. So right, it, it, it's it's really fascinating to see that, like in other other people, that like it's it's mood based, and and a lot of lot of like memories are, or like feelings and memories are wrapped up in in our food. So that's that's the fascinating thing that I want to want to explore really. Um, so you, I mean, so you started cooking uh, as we had like elementary school, uh, middle school, I'm guessing that that continued from there on. Did it like, I mean, you, you got more and more interested in it. Did, did it go back or did, was there a time where you didn't cook as much or was that like a constant in your life since then? I'd say it's been a constant, um, the way I cook. Mm-hmm. That de depending on just the rest of life circumstances, mm -hmm. that has varied mm -hmm. over time. In what sense? Like in in the sense of um, uh, style, mm -hmm. let's say, or equipment. Mm -hmm. So, um, like when you when you live in in a small apartment, mm -hmm. you develop an ability to do what I call single skillet cooking. Yep. Because yeah. you just don't have the space to have like a mm -hmm. bunch of different pots or skillets out, mm -hmm. and um, and so learning how to how to do single skillet cooking has actually served me really well. Oh, I because can, I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, I figured out how to just by by doing it so much, how how to create some really interesting meals mm -hmm. where um, where. I have minimal impact on my cleanup time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I mean, that's that's almost an ex essential skill for any parent because, I mean, you don't have that time or energy sometimes to clean up, like have a big cleanup after. So single skillet, even like even if you have the space, is sometimes really important because like you, you, all you need is like two minutes to clean everything and then, then you can go back to whatever mess is happening right. to the children right now. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the big changer for me, or no, a changer is a bad word for that. The the big shift for me in cooking mm -hmm. 
was when I got a grill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then learned how to use a grill because most people don't know how to properly grill. And so they, they, they basically turn their grill into, into a kiln Mm -hmm. and everything that goes in just gets scorched and ruined. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what I remembered Mm -hmm. growing up was you would get um, a, a hot dog or a bratwurst or whatever, off of a grill and it was basically this this carbonized outer layer. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> and 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 it, it just wasn't that good. It, but then the first time I went to an event where they were grilling bratwurst mm-hmm. and got a bratwurst and ate it, I, I had an epiphany, which was this is what it should taste like. Mm-hmm. This is what I can actually eat. This is what I want to make. Mm-hmm. And so I got a grill and then I went out and bought uh, the, the, the Kansas city barbecue society cookbook mm-hmm. to learn how to actually use my grill. Yeah. And, and it, it, uh, it changed the way I cook to the point where the stove in the house I wasn't using hardly at all. Mm-hmm. And I would cook year round on my grill on the back porch. Well, which which is even more impressive if you think about like, I mean, the, the winters in, in Colorado are crazy. So doing that. Yes, there were times where I had to dig the grill out from the snow so that I could cook. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was great. And where, where I live now, having a grill is just simply not an option because there there is no place for me to put it. Mm-hmm. So I went on Amazon and I found a little countertop electric grill. Mm-hmm. So not not like the George Foreman thing, but like it's it's a, an actual grill with a lid that closes and mm-hmm. and so now when when I went to grill meat, mm-hmm. I put this thing on the counter, I plug it in, and uh, and, and I grill meat, and uh, and holy crap. It's great. Yeah. I mean, is it the same? Probably not, right? But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a different skill, but it's, it's not less, like, it's not a lesser thing. It's simply different, right? It's a different thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the big difference is that, that I can't do the thing that I, that I would do before where I had a cast iron uh, smoke box. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is take uh, different, different types of wood, depending on what it was that, that I was going to be barbecuing. Mm-hmm. And then I would take that wood and I would soak it for a, a couple of days in apple juice, mm-hmm. not water, apple juice. Okay. And so then you have this wood that's saturated, mm-hmm. you put it into your little grill smoke box and it goes on, uh, uh, on the grill on the opposite end from where the meat is. Mm-hmm. And so as it heats, the wood isn't going to catch on fire because it's so saturated. But uh, it smokes out, and it smokes out with, with the wood flavor and the apple juice. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I can do now. Yeah, that's a little bit difficult. I mean, you could probably do something with apple juice. I could definitely imagine that, but like smoking is smoking is a little bit difficult. I want to say smoking's difficult. Actually, here here is the fix for doing just the apple juice. Take a take a soda pop or beer can, and and cut it off so you have like uh, like three inch tall mm-hmm. aluminum bowl. Now mm-hmm. put put whatever liquid you want into that, and you can set it on there, mm-hmm. and uh, and it just evaporates. That, and... That'll totally work. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Mm, that sounds amazing. I, th- I think I have to try that. That sounds that sounds great. That's a good idea. So the the dish you or the the, the the yeah the dish kind of that you want to talk about the food you want to talk about today that you told me already about is deviled eggs. Deviled eggs, such a simple thing, but the, this comes from my grandma, mm-hmm. and she knew how much my sister and I loved. Well, and then ultimately my brother when mm-hmm. when he was uh, when when he joined the scene too. Um, she knew how much we loved her deviled eggs. So every time we would come visit, when when we got there, there was already a tray of deviled eggs ready and out. Mm-hmm. And so I've always had this um, this place in my heart for deviled eggs because of that. And the sad thing is I can't exactly replicate my grandma's deviled eggs because she made them exactly the way that that you know, we cook now, which is, or, or you and I are cooking now, which is, this looks like about the right amount. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, <laughs> yep. So, so how much mayonnaise and how much mustard goes in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's vinegar. Mm-hmm. So, so what's the right amount of vinegar to put in there? It's like, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and when grandma would make the deviled eggs and we would watch her make the deviled eggs and, mm-hmm. and she'd say, okay. And, and so here's how much mayonnaise you put in. That looks about right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's how much mustard you put in. Okay. That looks about right. And she's just using a, a kitchen spoon, mm-hmm. not a measuring spoon mm-hmm. and like a soup spoon. Mm-hmm. And she's just scooping stuff up and putting it in this bowl and she mixes it all up and it's done. And, uh, then she pulls out the paprika, shakes some of that on top and, uh, and that's it. Yeah. And they were magical every single time. That's the funny thing about those, those grandma recipes. I mean, probably, I mean, probably even like any recipe that any like non chef, but probably any, any recipe. I mean, that's why it probably works that, that we don't follow it. It's not about the recipe. I mean, if you asked your grandma back then to write it down, she would have written it down. And there would have been some measurement, but it was the, the, the mistake sometimes even that she made, where it's like, oh, a little bit too much of this or that, that she didn't mm-hmm. even probably even realize that, that it was like an air quotes a mistake um, that, that she made, that made it actually work or made it different or special. Like it was, it, it's not the perfection of the recipe. It's the mistakes that make it actually go. Yes. Yes. And, and she'd been making deviled eggs a lot longer than I'd been alive. <laughs> true, true. So and they were yeah. just magical. Yeah. So, so uh, did did you try to replicate them? I'm I'm guessing yes. I have tried to replicate them, mm-hmm. and I I have a recipe that I got off the internet um, years ago, mm-hmm. and then I made a little more just a few modifications to it it's just ratios Mm -hmm. because i mean because deviled eggs are that simple Mm -hmm. start with a hard-boiled egg and then you mix up the yolk with mayonnaise mustard um uh, a little bit of salt and a little bit of vinegar Mm -hmm. that's it store-bought mayonnaise or or homemade I've never made my own mayonnaise. Should it's a totally different, totally different ball I game. know, super I easy. Know. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, why would anybody buy this? Like, it's super cheap to make, and it's so different. And it all it takes is, is is like eggs, a little bit of mustard, uh, like a little bit of like a citrus, like like lemon, um, mm-hmm. and oil, 
and a mixer. And it's all you need. It's it's super easy. I mean, it's, as I said, it's one of those things I'm I'm always like, I mean, why would you buy this? It's not even not even close to the real thing. You know, I I can't argue with you on this. I I am totally aware that I need to to try making my own mayonnaise. You should try. And and I know that I have everything in my kitchen right now mm -hmm. to make mayonnaise. That's a cool thing. Like, I mean, if you have a even reasonably stocked kitchen, you can always make mayonnaise. I mean, it's honestly, that's for me like a, a little bit of a go-to if I don't know, like if, if I'm missing something, I'm like, uh, let's make a mayonnaise for it. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. I have like a core, some kind of corn salad that I made and I'm like vinaigrette wise. I'm like struggling. I'm like, okay, let's make a, let's make a curry mayonnaise with it. Like it's, it's always a good fallback. Yeah, and you know, the fact that you went right to a curry mayonnaise is awesome because the the idea of using mayonnaise as a base mm -hmm. and then building flavor out from that mm -hmm. is is so awesome and so few people think about doing that. But I mean, I'll I'll I feel I feel like an animal now. I'll I'll scoop mayonnaise out of the jar into a bowl and then I will add other things to it and uh, and make whatever it is that i want and the mayonnaise just happens to be the base yeah which i mean which which works but the, the cool thing about the homemade mayonnaise is that it's that it's good in it on its own like i mean I, I said curry mayonnaise because that's like usually i like that curry corn combination so much that i do that but mm -hmm. i mean literally when i whenever i make mayonnaise i have to like i, I usually make twice the amount that i need because half of it i'm just gonna eat right away <laughs> It's just so, it's just that good. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had some really good mayonnaise before. That, uh, in retrospect, yeah, it it had to have been homemade, mm -hmm. and it's a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. It is like I mean, it's not even not not even the same. Like it's it's not even the same universe. <laughs> it's a completely yeah. different ballgame. So definitely, yeah. you you will have to do that and report back in like one a year. I will do that. <laughs> It's uh, okay. Actually, now that you've inspired me, so uh, with a dairy allergy, mm -hmm. doing a grilled cheese sandwich mm -hmm. is a different thing. Yep. So, so my grilled cheese sandwich, uh, I make my own bread mm -hmm. because that's how I ensure that it doesn't have anything in it that that's that's uh, uh, you know potential uh, health trigger for me. So I know there's no dairy in it. So I start by making my own bread, and then I do a, a mix of um, uh, a couple different like sheep and goat cheeses mm -hmm. shredded. Yeah. I put I put mayonnaise in there to to add like like a little bit of uh, uh, contrasting flavor to go with the cheese. Yeah. So it goes on the inside. I've heard a thing where people will put mayonnaise on the outside, Why? and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's just wrong. Uh, but then. Uh, what I use as the uh, the 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 browning agent mm -hmm. is olive oil in the skillet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so some extra flavor. And it oh, I I'm not going to lie. This isn't a brag. This is simply a fact. I make a killer grilled cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. um, so now I need to do that and make the mayonnaise that goes on it. And I have a feeling that that uh, my grilled cheese sandwich game is about to get kicked up several notches. Yes, I bet. And and all it takes you is another whatever a minute 
because mayonnaise is literally, I mean, throw everything together in a, like a mixer, turn it up, mm -hmm. throw in the oil, done. Like it's, it's, it doesn't even take that long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cleanup after is kind of the, the biggest part of the process. Like that's all. Yeah. But, but if you're doing the cleanup along the way, mm -hmm. it's not that bad. Yeah, that's that's another thing I learned that that I picked up probably from my uncle who was like more like leaning towards like a professional chef, even though he mm -hmm. never he never even worked in that profession. That's something I learned from him. Like, I mean, always keeping the kitchen clean, always like removing everything right away. It's definitely less work if you do that. Yes, yeah, that's my routine, especially because the place I'm in now, the kitchen is small enough. There's no room for a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> Yes, it does. Uh, but it, it, it also gives me incentive to make sure that I'm keeping everything clean all the time. So you're cooking and you have that, that window of a couple minutes where, where whatever in the skillet or the pot or whatever, it needs to sit there and simmer around. Okay, now I wash the, the, the stuff I don't need anymore. Mm -hmm. And that goes away. And I'm and I'm back to working on the food, mm -hmm. and you know it's just like this cycle. And by the time you're done, sure, there's going to be a couple things left over yeah. that still need to be cleaned. But that that happens after you eat. Yeah, and I mean that's probably I mean that also means that the 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 one skillet cooking skills that you honed like years ago that that they come in handy now, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean less yeah. less cleanup if you I mean if you don't have a dishwasher and only one skillet. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Okay, I want to circle back to the devil decks real quick. Um okay. I'm, su I'm super curious. I mean, you said you, you you've made them yourself. Do they I mean, are you happy with them? Do they compare or is there like an element where you're like, yeah, it's still not the same. I I like my devil eggs. I I do make good devil eggs. Um uh, one thing that I definitely do different from my grandma, because she she would start by boiling her eggs. Mm -hmm. I take a, uh, uh, a muffin tray, mm -hmm. a, a 12 uh, muffin tray, mm -hmm. fill it up with a dozen eggs and put it in the oven and I bake the, bake the eggs instead. Okay, that's very interesting. Which, which is a great way to do hard boiled eggs, even though I know technically it's not actually a hard boiled egg. Uh, <laughs> it's just boiled in the shell. And, uh, uh, and it's great. It's like, what is it? It's like three twenty five for 30 minutes. I think is, I think that's it. So they're three twenty five or three fifty, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you do the eggs in the oven, come out, they go into a big bowl of ice water mm -hmm. for 10 minutes, and now you can peel them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so I start differently than my grandma did. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, I'm, I'm doing what she did based on this, this uh, you know, just very standard recipe. Mm -hmm. And they come out really good. Mm -hmm. They're not my grandma's eggs. Mm-hmm. Why do you think and that is? Is it is it like the memories or the feelings that, that are attached to it? A, that's a lot of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's... It's, yeah. I mean, th those were grandma's eggs. Mm -hmm. The only person that can make grandma's eggs mm -hmm. is grandma. That's so and, true. Yeah. And since she's not here to make them anymore, that means this is something that will never be part of this world again. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I miss her eggs. Mm-hmm. And I miss the flavor of her eggs. And um, 
honestly, if, if I was able to go back in time and set one of my eggs now next to one of hers Mm -hmm. as a kid, I probably wouldn't know the difference Mm -hmm. because they're they're deviled eggs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but in my mind, grandma's deviled eggs will always be the best and I will never reach that level of deviled egg mastery. Oh, I bet you will. Like give, give it another, whatever, 10, 20 years. Then you will like you're you're like you will be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe my uh, my nieces will be on a on a show mm-hmm. in like like <laughs> exactly. twenty or thirty years, and oh my god, Uncle Jeffy's deviled eggs! I can never make them the way he did. Exactly. No, that's that's definitely something I've heard, and and it's also funny that it's in most cases it's always grandma. Like, uh, yes. it's it's it's. I, I think it might be a generational thing to some extent. Um, I mean, like, let's face it, like, there was a time where a lot of women worked in the kitchen still, or predominantly worked in the kitchen. Um, but I think it's also a, it comes from a time where, like, I mean, whenever your, I mean, let's face it, your parents were fed up with you, <laughs> they would send you to grandma. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Growing up, my, my parents said, uh, you love getting to spend time with your grandparents, so so we're going to send you out for two weeks in the summer, so you get to have that time with grandma, and grandpa. They're not lying, no. But at the same time, it they're not telling it. us the the rest of it, which is we're sending you off to a place you like for two weeks to get you away from us. Doesn't mean that they love you less. It just means that they're happy that you're happy somewhere else that they can spend some time on their own. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, and it was important for for mom and dad to have that mm-hmm. that time just for them. Yeah. And uh, it, it allowed me to to have these memories and experiences mm-hmm. that I otherwise wouldn't have had. And sadly, other people that I knew, other kids that I knew at the time, they never got to have those experiences because their grandparents were, were already gone or they, they just, they just didn't get to have that kind of experience like I did. Yeah. Didn't have the time. They were sick, whatever. Like, I mean, that's definitely true. Like not everybody got to do that, which, which makes it even, I think more special that, that we did. Uh, I said, it's just like an observation to like, wherever I talk to it's, so often it's grandma like they like the the first food related memories are so often doing something with grandma or having some food at grandma's it's mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting i think i think it has a lot to do with the as you said like this special time also i think that that adds to that like that it's not every day that you get to go over and like do something with it and it's like right. a weekend or like a like a summer vacation or something like that mhm yeah, that's that's how I got introduced to um, um, Southwest Tex-Mex style food mm-hmm. because the 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 idea of tacos or burritos. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, very I'll call it mundane Southwest American food. Yeah, because that that's fast food now too. Okay. Um, that's that's not something that I that I got to experience at home for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's, that just wasn't my parents thing or whatever, but, but uh, my grandparents, they, at one point started 
spending their their winters in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so so uh, sister and my brother and I, we would go and spend time down in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And so grandpa introduced us to burritos and tacos. And the, and the one that was like the pinnacle for me was the chimichanga. Oh yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And, uh, and yeah. And it, it was like this life changing experience. And then I'd come home and not only were there no chimichangas in uh, at, at least anywhere that I could find in Colorado at the time. But, uh, but the idea of getting to, to go and have a burrito somewhere, mm-hmm. like I don't know where, where back then where you would find tortillas mm-hmm. unless you knew to go to, uh, to, to like, like an ethnic grocery store in, in another part of town. And since I couldn't drive, I was just a kid. Well, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You basically, you had to know someone who knows someone to, to even know where to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Funny thing, that's still the case in Arizona. I mean, you can get like tacos and burritos and everything everywhere, but like knowing where to go to get good tortillas is like a special thing. Like you have to figure that out. Took me a while. Yes. <laughs> took me a while. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. But there's an amazing bakery in in, in Phoenix. So highly recommend it. <laughs> I I've had some wonderful dining experiences in Phoenix. Yeah. And Tucson. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. All right, I think we're at the end of the episode. Uh, anything you want to share? Any anything left? Um, no, no. And and I say no, and I'm about to continue on. Um, this is just so cool. I mean, having this whole discussion about food like this. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. Patrice, I'm so glad you decided this needed to be a show because because you're right. This needs to be a show. Absolutely. And those stories need to be out there. I think that's that's the important thing. Like the love I mean, especially in these times, but I think in general, the love for food, like whether you're foodie or not, whether you can cook or not, doesn't matter. Everybody to some extent has a story and, and has a love for some food. I mean, even people I mean we're gonna see. Like I I mean I had I had um Ewan on who definitely said he he loves eating, but he's not a foodie. Never been. Like he he, he can he, he can cook. I mean he, he said he's he's okay. I've had his food, he's he's good. But he he, mm-hmm. he doesn't care to that level on it. But he still had plenty of stories to tell and plenty of like really interesting memories to share. I think that, that has to be that it has to be out there. Because it does. Like, nobody ever talks about that. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It, food and dining, it's not just a uh, a necessary element of survival. It's it's a community thing. Yeah, and 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 and, and it's it's yeah. also not a business, or it's it's not a like high and mighty, and everybody has to be perfect thing. I mean, th- there's so much surrounding the food itself. I mean, we, yeah, we talked about deviled eggs and and like your your chocolate cake and whatever. But there was there was so much around that that was interesting. It's, it wasn't about like okay, this is how you make the perfect chocolate cake, or this is how you make the per- the like perfect dairy free grilled cheese. That wasn't about that. It was about okay, like I had to figure out how to do these things and I did. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. I'm super and, happy. And then and then having those those family memories that go along with with uh 
learning and developing these skills. Mm-hmm. And, and my guess is that if I hadn't as a child been in my grandma's kitchen mm-hmm. on the farm, mm-hmm. watching her say, that looks about right, mm-hmm. that I probably wouldn't have been comfortable moving beyond the follow a recipe step-by-step as I did when I was a kid to, to the place where a recipe became uh, uh, a starting point mm-hmm. for whatever uh, culinary magical creation was going to come out of the kitchen this time. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm just, just thinking about my, my own like upbringing and my dad, I mean, he wasn't a good cook, I would say, but he loved to experiment. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I probably picked up from him. I was like, okay, I mean, skill wise, I think I was a little bit better than him, but like, I, I also like, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to try something and if it goes wrong. I mean, it goes wrong. Like that's, that's, that's okay. Like it, not, not everything is perfect. I mean, ask any professional chef when they, like how they come up with a new, whatever, a new recipe, new, new, like new version of deviled eggs. They will tell you they've done like a hundred things that didn't work. And a hundred things that right. were disgusting and that they, they, they tried and then simply said, okay, yeah, that wasn't it next. Or, or where yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't, there was something was just a little thing off. Like it wasn't good enough yet where they were like, okay, right. let's do a little bit more of this. Like again, a little bit more of a scientific approach, really think about it. Yeah. And then, and then once they've learned from all of those, those mistakes, mm-hmm. um, or uh, I suppose you could call them those enhanced learning events. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what, what they ultimately come up with is so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This was so much fun. I'm, I really enjoyed talking to you as I knew it would be. This is awesome. Yeah, we, we have to definitely do that again. I'll, I'll probably have you back. And there like, there's some things I want to dive deeper into. Uh, like we basically probably just scratched the surface, like all the... Like the the years between like cooking like middle school and whatever and and now they, I feel there's more. Um, we'll definitely have to do that again at some point. That's true. We didn't even get anywhere near my uh, my experimenting with uh, with Cajun food. Mm, oh, okay. It's, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down and we're gonna go back to that at some point. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um, tell, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, I, I am easy to find. <laughs> Just do a Google search. <laughs> I, I'm laughing only because, because it, it's funny how I've been on so many different podcasts. Um, if, if you Google me, you will find me on tons of different podcasts. Uh, planet. <laughs> yes. I, I'm the, the text expander evangelist for text expander. So I'm at textexpander.com. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jay Gam at both places. And uh, I've been told I need to remember to post more pictures of the things that, that I'm cooking. Yes. So I promise I will try to, to be better about that. Yes, you do. I definitely want to see that. Yeah. All right. I, I will do my best to remember to post more pictures of the stuff that I'm making. Yeah. We definitely want to see you make the devil decks with the, with the devil decks with your own mayonnaise and the, and the, um, the grilled cheese. Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, guess I'm going to go make some, some mayonnaise. <laughs> Good. Awesome. 
you can find me um, all over the internet, everything I do on thepatrice.com. And you can find this very podcast on Twitter at foodieflashback and also foodieflashback.com. And if you're interested and you want to, you have a story to tell, foodie or not, uh, you want to talk to me, then please reach out uh, either through Twitter or there's also a form on foodieflashback.com where you can like put in some info and then I'll be in touch and we'll, we'll set something up. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jeff, for being here. It was awesome. And talk to you soon.